Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. My name is Tim, and uh, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, I'm one of the pastors here. We are so glad that you are here with us this morning. You know, back in 2018, I led a group of high school students on a wilderness trip. We went to Algonquin Park, and that was an incredible trip. This was my first time with those students, and uh, I had done many of these trips before, but this time we were bringing 34 people, which is a lot of people, all right? In fact, we were going to have four campsites, and because the group was so big, we were going to have to have two different travel routes. Uh, one, two groups were going to go around the loop right this way, and two groups were going to go around the loop the opposite way, meet in the middle. And so for the most of the week, I wasn't even going to see half of these students or half of my leaders. They were just going to be on their own, which was pretty terrifying. I was, I was pretty worried. And though, even though I'd led many of these trips before, this was the, by far the largest group I'd ever brought. And as I'm organizing these details, uh, one of the moms comes to me and she begins talking to me about her daughter, Cassie, and tells me about Cassie's diabetes. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on? Tell me more about what Cassie needs up there in the wilderness. And she begins to ask, like, hey, is it okay if Cassie has some extra fruit snacks? I'm like, sure. Okay, if she brings extra glucose tablets. Absolutely. Can she have them in her tent? No, <laughs> no way. Not unless you want Yogi Bear coming and making a visit in the middle of the night. Like there is no food in the tent. If it has a scent, it stays out of the tent, okay? No toothpaste, no candy, no wrappers, no gum, nothing. Because a bear will literally come right through your tent for what they think is a Snickers bar. And so I was like, there's no way, no how. And so now I had this massive dilemma. Do I tell her she cannot go on the trip, or do I bring her up and risk her life? Maybe she'll die because of the diabetes. Maybe it will be a bear attack. Maybe it'll be something else. Like, what do I do with that? And so now this, this worry, this unsettledness takes the dial and turns it about 10 degrees, and the worry and the fear is just ramping up. I mean, it is all-consuming, I can't sleep at night. My stomach is in knots. I can't, I don't feel very good. It's all that I'm thinking about is what do I do with this decision? Eventually her mom comes to me and she says, hey Tim, I found this scent proof bag, which I'm pretty skeptical about. Like I don't really know if it's going to keep a bear out. I don't know how good the bear's nose is. And so I'm really terrified. I'm agonizing over this decision. Eventually, we decide to take her on this trip, and I'm terrified. We put some parameters in there to make sure that she's safe. We have some people that are going to check on her insulin numbers, and, but at the end of the day, I'm absolutely terrified. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever let worry sneak into your thoughts, and it begins to take over, and it kind of hits this spin cycle. It just keeps going and going and going, and it can feel relentless. So how do we quit worry? How do we quit fear? Is that even possible? Well, today, that's what we're going to discuss. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it on the screen behind me. But let me give you a little bit of the background while you're turning there. 
See, Jesus is talking to a massive group of people. They're all sitting on this hillside. They're overlooking the Sea of Galilee. There's so many people that they're like stepping over people, stepping on people. And Jesus is talking about what does it mean to really follow him? And he begins to talk about being the salt of the earth and being the light in the community. And he begins talking about, hey, we shouldn't do things like murder. We should watch our anger. He begins talking about things like divorce and prayer. And then he gets to this subject of treasures. And he says, you treasure some things here on earth. But what if we had a greater treasure up in heaven? And he says, you know what? All of your treasures, whatever it is that you treasure, that is what drives your heart. And then he gets on to this subject of who or what are we serving? Matthew chapter 6. Let me start reading in verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That word money could also be translated stuff. You can't serve God and stuff. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and all of these other things. Fill in the blank. But notice the words that Jesus uses. Hate, love, devoted, despise, serve, He's getting at our affections. He's getting at our emotions. And he's saying, you can't serve the kingdom of God and the kingdom of self. You can't serve all of the things that the world has to offer and Jesus. You can't have two masters. It's impossible. We try to ride the fence, but we can't. And he's getting at all of these things that you and I are devoted to. He says, the things that you're devoted to, those are going to impact what you think about and what you worry about. Take a look at verse 25. He says, therefore, right, in light of all the things he just got done talking about regarding treasures and serving to masters and what you're devoted to and what you love, therefore, do not... Worry. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? It's pretty interesting. Jesus is connecting these two ideas about being devoted to things, about serving things, about loving things, and he's connecting that idea, building off of the idea of treasures, and he's connecting that to what you worry about or what you're afraid of or what you're anxious about or the panic that runs through your minds. He's connecting those two ideas. And notice, he doesn't say like, hey, I have a really good idea. Try not to worry. He doesn't say like, hey, I've been trying this for a few weeks. I've been working on the worry. It's gone really well for me. He says, do not worry. It kind of sounds like a command, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure you were still with me. You didn't fall asleep that early in the sermon. It is a command. And so many times we have become so comfortable with, with worry 
And we go, yeah, but my mom worries, my grandma worries. Like, I'm just a worrier. Like, it's just in my veins. It's just who I am. I wake up and I'm worried. And Jesus says, don't worry. It's a command. Meaning, we ought to obey it. We ought to listen to it. It's more than just a suggestion. And he's connecting our worry to what we're devoted to. He's connecting our worry to what we love. He's connecting our worry to really what we worship. Did you know that I don't worry about your job? I don't. I, exactly, yeah. It's, now, it's not that I don't care, but here's another thing. I don't worry about your kids' grades in school. I don't stay up all night thinking, man, how is Rhett doing in spelling this week? Is he getting those words? How, how, is, how is Landon doing in second grade? Like, I don't stay up all night worrying about those things. I don't worry about your retirement. I hope it goes well for you. I don't worry about your debt. If you are in debt, we have ways to help you. I can't pay for it myself. But I don't worry about those things because I'm not devoted to them. I've never been devoted to your retirement. I've never been devoted to getting you out of debt. I've never been devoted to your kids' grades in school. It's not that I don't care. In fact, if you came to me and you said, Tim, here's what's going on at work. Here's what's going on with me and my boss. Here's what's going on with me and my job. Like, it's stressful. It's overwhelmed. I just don't know what to do. Tim, would you pray for me? I would absolutely pray for you. In fact, if I saw you the following week or a couple days later, I would even follow up. I would try to text you and say, hey, remember you, you told me about this thing at work that's going on? How's that going? I do care, but I'm not devoted to those things. You know what I'm devoted to? The things in my world. I'm devoted to my own finances. I'm devoted to a convenient life for Tim. I'm devoted to my own kids and their health and their safety. And I think of them, and I think of them one day following Jesus. And those are the things that I love. And I'll be honest with you. I tend to love those things a little too much. Because those are the things that I worry about. And so we worry about the very things that we are devoted to, the things that we love, the things that we serve, the things that really consume our lives. And Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. And I really believe that it is more than a syndrome. It's a sin. Now, hold on. Are you telling me that all this time I've been worrying, I've been sinning? Are you telling me it's wrong to care about those things? Are you telling me it's wrong to plan for those things? You know, if you came to me and you said, Tim, I, I've been just, I've been worrying a lot. It's been ruining my life. I haven't been sleeping. I don't feel good. All those things that you mentioned in the beginning, that's me. I just live there. What do I do? First thing I would do is I would sit down. I would just ask you a whole bunch of questions. I would want to get to know more information and one of those things I would ask is I would ask you, okay, when's the last time you saw a doctor? When's the last time you've had a regular checkup? Because if you haven't, you should go get a regular checkup because there are things that are going on or could be going on physically that are contributing to that. Here's what Dr. Charles Hodges says. 
He says, sometimes just being sick and uncomfortable is enough to make us sad. This could be normal sadness over the loss of our good health. There are also hormonal disorders that result in adverse moods. Cushing's disorder with overproduction of cortisone can affect mood and overall health. Hyperthyroidism can cause anxiety, sleeplessness, and weight loss. Cancer of the pancreas has been tied to a depressed mood. So if that was you, I would say, hey, you should get some regular blood work done. You should get a complete workup done. Let's find out if there's anything going on physically that maybe the doctor can address. And then maybe there's, some, maybe there's nothing going on. We can just take those things off of the table. But if there's something going on underneath all of that worry, maybe we should actually go to God about that. If worry is connected to the things that I love, it is connected to the things that I'm devoted to, it is connected to the things that I serve, and I am moving into sinful worry, I should go to God about those things. Remember, Jesus said, he uses these words, hate, love, serve, despise. He said we're going to have very strong emotions that are connected to and related to our devotions. Another way of saying it is my devotion reveals, or my emotion reveals my devotion. But these two things are connected to. It's not just in the realm of worry, but it's in every area of our emotions. Those things are connected. Worry is different than concern. Worry is different than planning. Your godly concern is not sin. Your planning is not sin. Your, your thinking ahead, your caring for people is not sin. And God's not calling you to move away from being concerned. He's not calling you to move away from caring for people. He's not calling you to move away from planning. He's calling you to move away from worry. But I think we are really one step away from that concern into sinful worry. So how do you know if you've made that shift? Here's a couple ways. One, when it begins to consume or control your thoughts, when that idea begins to rule your hearts. I was absolutely consumed about that wilderness trip and that young lady's health and her safety. It was controlling every area of my life. When you obsess over it, and you can't control, and you start neglecting all of your other responsibilities that you've been called to, concern can easily move in to worry. So how do I quit worry? How do I tell worry, I'm done, I'm resigning, I quit? Well, here's the first way. You confront the lie. Confront the lie. Every time I have given in to worry, there has been a lie underneath that. And I wonder, will God really care for my needs? Will God really provide for me? Is God really good? And you see, we have all these things that are going on in our lives, and we've got to begin to sort them out. Paul Tripp talks about these two circles. He has this circle of responsibility, right? There's things going on in your life and in my life, right? I have these different roles, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, I'm a neighbor, I'm a son. You have these roles too. 
Maybe you're a wife, you're a daughter, or you're an employee, or, or you run a business, or you have all these different roles and responsibilities. And God is simply asking you and I to obey in that area. As a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a son, as a daughter, he wants you to simply obey. But then there's another circle. It's a circle of concern. There's these things that are going on in my life, in your life, that I care about. They're important to me. I'm concerned. I want them to go well. I want my kids to be safe. I want them to be healthy. I'm concerned about my friends who are far from God. But those are things that I can't really control. And what happens is this circle begins to spread out. And so when that circle of responsibility begins to expand a little bit, I take on those things that are in the concern column and I make them my responsibility. The things that I'm concerned about, like my kids' health, I take that on as my responsibility. I've got to make sure that they are safe, that they are healthy all the time. I've got to make sure that my grandkids are safe and healthy all the time. And so I take that on as my personal responsibility. But that doesn't belong to me. This area belongs to God. And God is simply asking you and I to entrust that to him. This circle can also shrink a little bit. And I can begin to take the God-given responsibilities, such as being a provider or leading my family spiritually, and go, "Eh, I'm not really going to do that. I'm just going to let God take care of that. And I begin to shirk those responsibilities. And I need to evaluate the things that I'm worried about and go, okay, is that a responsibility or is that a concern? Which one is it? Because if it's a responsibility, I need to figure out what do I need to do. And if it's a concern, I need to address it as a concern. I need to confront the lie and go, okay, that's not true. It's not really my responsibility. I'm going to give this to God. This one over here, this really isn't my responsibility either. I'm going to give that over to God. I'm going to confront the lie. I'm going to remind myself over and over and over again, this is not true. I'm not thinking on things that are true or honorable. And so God wants us to not just confront the lie, but he also wants us to confess. Confess the worry. That you and I would go to God and say, okay, God, here's what's going on in my life. I've been worrying a lot. I know that your word says it's tied to what I love, to what I'm serving, to what I'm devoted to. God, would you help me to take care of my responsibilities? And would you help me to entrust everything else to you? God, would you help me to think on things that are true, that are honorable and pure? God, help me to to fill my mind with things that are lovely and that are pure. Jesus says, we don't have to worry because we have an incredibly heavenly father who loves us and cares for us. Take a look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See, the flowers of the field grow. 
They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. He says, you don't have to worry because look at how incredible God is. Look at how much he cares for all of the things in creation. He cares about the birds. He cares about the animals. He continues to take care of them. He continues to provide for them. Look at all of that he does. And so if we want to fight against worry, if we really want to quit worry, we're going to have to take an inventory of all the things that God has been doing. And so many times when, I'm, when I find myself worrying about things like money, I can remind myself of all of the ways that God has provided in the past. God, you've taken care of my family here. You've provided here. You've taken care of my kids here. Here's another example, and here's another example. And when I begin to worry about my own kids and what's going on in their lives, I need to remind myself that my kids actually belong to him. That he's given me these kids to take care of for a certain amount of time. But they actually belong to him. And Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't have a 401k. Look at the birds. They don't have any retirement set aside. Look at the birds. They never went to college. Look at the birds. They build this nest in this tree as high as they can. And then they just take their kids and they just push them out. Good luck. Try that for a parenting model this week. But Jesus is pointing to the birds. If God cares about these birds, how much more does he care about you and I? Does he care about you more than the birds? Or does he care about the birds more than you? I'm going to go out and say he cares about you and I a whole lot more than these birds. And if he takes care of them, he will take care of you. And so we don't have to worry. And we can fight against worry by remembering, I have a heavenly father who cares about me, who protects me, who takes care of all of my needs, not necessarily all of my wants. So the next way we can overcome worry is that we can believe that God is faithful. Believe that he is faithful. The reality is he is way more faithful to you and I than we are to him. He provides. He takes care of us. He's always been there for us. And so we need to take inventory, but we also need to delight in his kingdom. Take a look at verse 30. He says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith, See, now he's connecting our worry to our faith. Thank you. He's, he's connecting these two ideas that if I'm worrying, am I really trusting God? Remember, he started with this whole idea of you can't serve two masters. You're either going to love the one or you're going to despise the one. You're either going to love this one or you're going to hate that one. You can't serve both. You can't serve the kingdom of God and the kingdom of self. If I'm worrying about my money, do I really believe that he is good? 
Do I really believe that he is faithful? Do I really believe that he is over every single little detail? Look at verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus is pointing to the unbeliever. He says, this is what the unbeliever does. The unbeliever lives in worry and fear. The unbeliever doesn't trust God. The unbeliever doesn't believe that God will take care of them. The unbeliever just runs to fear and worry, and they just live there. And Jesus says, what if your faith actually changed how you lived? That as you and I go through these trials and these difficulties and these tribulations and these pressures and we face things that ought to be causing fear and worry and you respond in faith. I'm not saying you don't plan. I'm not saying you don't care. I'm not saying you're not concerned. But somehow you recognize that the one who is over every single detail is also actively involved in your life. And instead of responding in worry, instead of responding in fear, we go, you know what? I don't understand all the details, but I know the one who does. I don't have control over this, but I know the one who is in control. And your faith begins to redirect your devotion. And you shift that Back to God. But then notice what he says in verse 31. Remember, we started about these two masters, two different kingdoms. Verse 33, he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Every single moment of our lives, you and I have an opportunity to either serve the kingdom of God or serve the kingdom of self. We can't have two masters. And whatever you are devoted to, that's what you're going to worship. Whatever you're worshiping, whatever you're devoted to, that's what you're going to be focused on. And when I'm worrying... I'm not focused on the kingdom of God. So again, he says, shift that focus. Shift that devotion. Begin to seek the kingdom of God. Give all of that over to him. Instead of worrying, seek first what will last. I can quit worrying by going to the things that really matter. And go, okay, here's all of the problems right here in front of me my finances, my debt, taxes are due in a few days, if you didn't know that. Oh man, that just caused more worry. What am I going to do about that? Am I going to get any money back? Am I going to have to owe them? Okay, what do I need to do? What's my responsibility right now? Okay, work hard, be diligent, and entrust the rest to God. Trust that he really is actively involved in your life right now. 
that there's a kingdom much greater than the kingdom of self. And when we begin to shift that devotion and we begin to seek him and things that really last, that begins to change how we live our lives. I want to give you a couple ways we can apply this. One, there's a reading plan I would really recommend. It's, it's about the character of God. It's a big reading plan, okay? So get ready. If you scan this QR code, you have been warned. It's a 31-day reading plan. But every single day, it's going to point you to a different attribute of God to give you a bigger picture of who God is, what he's like, and his character so that you can begin to shift your devotion towards him. That every day you'll be reminded of a different quality and attribute of him so you can begin to seek the kingdom of God and seek things that really, really last. Even if you did this for like three days or a week, it would begin to recalibrate your mind. But I want to give you a second way. First, make a list of worries. Get out your notebook, get out your computer, whatever it is, and write all of the things that you're worried about. I mean all of them. Okay, if it takes you a whole week to write all of them out, do it. And then once you've got that list and you've exhausted all the things that are worrying you and just causing panic in your life, think through. Are these actually responsibilities or these concerns? Just write a little C or an R next to whichever one deserves that. Because if it's a responsibility, I need to go, okay, what do I need to do? What are the action steps I need to take? And if it's a concern, meaning it's not my responsibility, I need to get on my knees and I need to pray and I need to entrust that to God. If you want to hand in your resignation to fear and worry this week, do one of those options. And imagine what would happen today if you began to shift your devotion to God. Imagine what would happen at work, in your marriage, with your kids, in school, if you began to shift your devotion to God. Imagine what people would say when they saw you handling the pressures of life and you weren't there spinning out of control, but you were there shifting your devotion to God. That's my challenge for you this week. That every single day, you would quit worry, you would quit fear, you would quit against the panic, offer in that resignation by shifting your devotion. Would you pray with me? Father, you are amazing. And you give us these truths so you could shape our hearts. And I know that there's so many things going on in our lives that cause fear, that cause worry, that bring panic into our hearts. And I just ask that you would help us today to shift that devotion towards you. That we would quit worry knowing that it's going to come and show up again tomorrow and we'd quit again and we'd fight against that by shifting our devotion, by confessing it to you, by seeking things that really last. Pray that we would be people who walk by faith and love you more than the things of this world. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
you stand as we respond in worship.